Uh, but hey, everybody, and welcome to the Christian Life Center's Overtime Production. It is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit of a deeper dive of the weekend message. So we're so thankful and glad that you're joining us. What we hope is that this helps you in your relationship with Christ to go a little bit deeper, maybe to have a little bit more understanding of the message and kind of what we were talking about. So glad that you're a part of this, whether you're watching this live, you're listening to this one of the podcasts by one of the podcast routes, we are so glad that you're a part of this. Um, one of the things that we want to jump into is just to give you a little bit of an update right before we start this. One of the things that we always try and do is just give you a quick update of what's happening around the church. Um, we're recording this on August 11th and making it live. Well, on August 14th, the church will be doing a movie night at nine o'clock. We'll be watching the movie Sonic the Hedgehog. We do it socially distant, so you can show up with a car full of people. You can hang out in your car. If you want to bring like blankets and chairs, you can sit out in the parking lot, socially distant, of course. That's what we want to try and do is keep everybody safe as best we can. Um, or if you want to pile on the back of a pickup truck, you can hang out there. Really, there's a ton of different options. So 9 o'clock this coming Friday night, which is August 14th, there is a possibility that we will be showing it a little bit earlier at seven, but if we do that, we'll probably be showing it at seven and nine just because we're communicating nine o'clock. Um, and if we are able to pull that off, that'll be with our brand new LED screen. So it'll be nice and bright and shiny. So hopefully you'll check that out. Um, if you have any questions, by all means, please let us know. But this Friday, the 14th, nine o'clock, we're showing Sonic the Hedgehog. We hope you and your family and anybody that can, can and wants to be a part of it can be a part of that. So that's kind of all the announcements that we have. Josh, do you want to kind of jump into the recap of what we talked about this past weekend? Yeah, so if you've been uh, trekking with us, we are now four weeks into the Gospel of Luke, which means we are two-thirds of the way through the first chapter. So we covered uh, <laughs> verses 39, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 46. So here's kind of the big premise. I uh, decided that we can take quite some time. I, I, I've been saying months, if not years. Let me just go ahead and you know, break the news to you. We're going to be taking a year plus to just kind of work yeah. through, maybe years to work through the gospel loop. But there's a reason for it. Our world is really, really uncertain right now. We are having a hard time discerning what truth is. And uh, the Bible yeah. tells us the truth is a person. His name is Jesus. He tells us he's the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, no one gets to the Father but through him. And most people go, that's so arrogant and dogmatic. And that's like, no, it's just specific. You don't get mad at someone when they give you the right directions to the place you're going. You're actually really thankful for them. You go, hey, thank you. In fact, you like you dislike people who give you the wrong directions, right? And so it's not an arrogant statement for Jesus to go, hey, you're looking for the right direction to figure where life comes from and joy and peace and purpose and hope. And by the way, God and creation and, and creator and eternity. Uh, and he goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets the Father specific, but through me. So you want all that, you find it in me. And so if that's the case, it makes sense. We'd understand what all we get to find in him. <laughs> and so we decided, or I decided, uh, and now we're working through uh, a biography about Jesus's life, Gospel of Luke, that basically just walks through Jesus's life on this planet, right? So Luke was a uh, Gentile, a Greek guy, probably, um, who didn't have uh, any kind of a religious pedigree, but he decides he's hired by, makes the decision as, uh, you know, uh, occupationally to leave his job as a physician to go and research Jesus's life, death, resurrection, all those um, statements he made. And uh, it's really neat uh, about this is uh, Luke would have taken years to do this. And even if you don't, you're like, I'm not so sure about the Bible. The really neat thing is uh, Luke is captured in 
first and second and third and fourth century writings of people who mm-hmm. knew him, walked with him, understood him. And so he was a real person, a real human being, who happened to be a scientist, happened to be a doctor who spent years investigating whether or not we should believe um, this story of who Jesus is to be true. In fact, he writes to his benefactor, the one who paid for him to do the, the study. Sorry, most of these. <coughs> Thanks for laughing at me. I bless you. Sorry. <laughs> um, so um, so he he writes to his benefactor, this guy named Theophilus, who basically hired him to, uh, to, to, to research these writings. And in verse 4, he says he writes these things so that we may, or Theophilus, and then all of us reading it thousands of years later, may have certainty about the things that we've been taught. Yeah. So we're just walking through trying to find certainty. And so Luke is going to help us be certain that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can trust him now, and our life can be better now, and trust him with eternity, meaning he is the way to God. He is the only solution. And so he's going to walk us through that methodically. He tells us that he kind of got found all of his findings through reading all the original documents, that the Old Testament, the Torah, the local writings, the, the first two books in the New Testament, Matthew and Mark, for sure. He would have researched all those. He would have also gone and sat down with eyewitnesses, and he would have heard all the oral traditions, and then he comes and compiles what may have taken definitely years, if not decades, to put together, and he writes this treatise on this uh, this the trustworthiness, the veracity of, of the gospel. It takes 1,151 yeah. verses to present it. 568 of those are direct quotations from Jesus' life. So we've been studying that, and so we go, okay, if Luke wants us to know that, where does he start? Ironically, he doesn't start with Jesus. He starts with an old lady, then a young lady who both happen to get pregnant. And so we've seen those stories of God uses the outcast, the, the marginalized, to do some really, really fabulous work. And by the way, Jesus just now shows up on the scene in the, the fourth uh, part of the series, right? And when he does, he shows up in the form of basically a kidney bean. He's very tiny. He's in utero. Mary's going to have this baby, this virgin. And what, what she decides to do after she gets this news is she, so crazy, she's going to go and interact with the other supernatural, miraculous mm-hmm. birth, this old lady, Elizabeth, who happens to be her cousin, and they're going, their lives are going to intersect for about three months, and they're going to spend some time together. So this past week, we just kind of looked at why in the world would Luke want us to know this, and why in the world would Mary go right. visit Elizabeth, particularly, this is a pretty big part of it, when to visit Elizabeth would have been a 90 to 100 mile journey. Right. By herself, as a teenage girl who's barely pregnant, all the dangers, all the concerns about that. And you go, why in the world would she do that? And the big answer is because she valued community. She valued worship. She valued collective worship. So this past week, uh, we kind of covered what that means for our church to value community, value worship. And then we saw just how that that happens, kind of the big picture as you see in the scriptures that the word of God goes out. Angel shows up, Gabriel shows up to Elizabeth, shows up to Mary and makes this declaration. Their response is to believe. As a result of the belief, there is this blessing. The blessing doesn't come first. There's this belief. I trust that this is God. By the way, this is Jesus as a the size of a kidney bean, not bringing dead people to life, right? This is yeah, not right. walking on water. And they believe, they receive this blessing of belief. And then there's this response and the response is just worship. So we just looked at how does that pattern work, and what does it look like to worship? And then next week, this upcoming Sunday, Saturday, we'll get to really cover the beauty of how Mary decides to, as she says in verse 46, her soul magnifies the Lord, meaning put points all the all the glory, all the uh, you know perspective, all the you know fame back to the Creator God. Yeah. So we're going to see that happen 
By the way, while there's lots of things to be worried about and anxious about, she's staying with her uh, cousin. She's not sure what's going to happen with her her fiance and all this. She right. is being shamed, right. right? There's all that there are, there'd be hashtags about her if this were uh, you know uh, the twentieth twenty uh, first century of just the humiliation she would have brought to herself and her family. So there's lots right. of things right. to really hate about this. Elizabeth is really pregnant and really old. There's lots to complain about there, and yet they fixed her eyes on God and choose to worship and magnify him. So there's lots to learn and all that. Yeah. So that's what this yeah. week was about learning from those things. Yeah. One of the things that like, just even the title, I love the title that you may have certainty. And I feel like, especially now with COVID um, living in this post COVID world, like just how everything's different. I find myself like finding comfort in the fact that I can have certainty who Christ was. And, and Luke is kind of this, um, like you said, investigative journalist that I've put together all of this document. And I've really appreciated kind of looking at things through Luke's perspective. Now it's only been four weeks. I can't imagine uh, what it's going to be. I'm really excited to work through it. You know, we'll, we'll just say 12 months from now where we'll be and still hopefully looking from that perspective. So I'm excited for that, but um, I can't wait to do the review it. then to cover like a year's worth of material. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep really it quick. Just remember of the, that the issue yeah. of covering all the materials going. I want everybody to yeah, right. be caught up to speed. I do think there is uh learning and repetition, right. And review and right, repetition right. But at some point. Guys, you're just going to have to know this stuff because when we get to chapter two, we can't cover chapter one anymore. So keep yeah, coming right. to this so we can right. keep covering it. If not, we're going to have so, really long sermons. <laughs> the online ones are going to be about two hours or no, yeah. no, we're just saying that it could. Um, but as you as we look at this, so we're looking at verses 39 through 45. Yeah. Um, it's not a ton of verses that we go through yet. I feel like there was a ton of content that we talked about. Um, and I'll say specifically in this one, what we see is is kind of an opportunity for us as the church to be able to talk about our vision and where we feel like God is leading us to and some of the things that we're trying and what we're looking towards. So I do want to get to that. But um, as you started, what you talked about is that location. Luke kind of makes it a, a, you know, an understanding of Theophilus who would have an understanding, but he makes a big deal about where he is. So Verse 39, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country into a town of Judah. Why, why is this a significant or an important detail that he gives there? Because Luke tends to put a lot of details that for us we can overlook, but for Theophilus and for maybe those early listeners or readers, that would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, so I actually was telling the worship team on Sunday morning for our live service and us telling the kids on staff, hey, because um, they have the notes and they kind of keep up with it kind of thing, or particularly kids zone. I was like, hey, I'm going to cover two verses and then we're just going to camp out <laughs> here for a while. Don't think yeah. that means that's the pace. Like when you start dividing it, maybe you've done this when yeah. you've done the sermon, you go, okay, six verses. Okay. He just read verse one, 20 minutes, 26, yeah. seven. Oh gosh. You know, that kind of thing. And so I was like, hey, <laughs> we're going to be here all day. I mean, yeah. I could have I camped out in any of them, by the way. Like there's yeah. so much to camp out on. But it just made sense because some of this you go, oh, that's really neat. Worship, great, great, great. I get that. But I am pretty certain that 95% of the people listening, reading this, when they kind of get through, you know, you start reading the, you know, the New Testament at some point. Hey, I'm going to read the Gospel of Luke and some of us have. And so you open it up and you go, I'm just going to read. And you cover a chapter a day and you're just, you know, you're kind of like moving yeah. along. And so right. very few people would have focused on the fact that Mary went with haste to this place. 
And then you're going, okay, where's she going? Right? That's the question. Where's she going? Who's she yeah. going to see? Oh, I know who she's going to see. So let me jump ahead to the conversation and pay attention to where they talk or, you know, because even, even when like we read books, um, a lot of times the people that skim read just jump to the quotations, right? Jump to the quotation okay. things. And so let me find the interaction. Let me find the dialogue. Okay, whatever. Fine. I don't care about the background story. Let me just see the interaction. And a lot of people even talk about that in terms of the scriptures. Let's just find the, the, the red letters, right? That's what they're called. The, hmm. the words that Jesus spoke, you know, in many Bibles, they're written in red. And so there's 568 of those verses. And so a lot of us want to jump in and find those words. Okay, let's just see what Jesus has to say. Well, there's none right. of this yet in this one. And so it's just quick to kind of want to go through it. But there is so much context in just one verse. Yeah. One that Mary arose. That means this is right after she found out she's going to have a baby. She says, let it be as the Lord says. So my guess is it was. She said, let it be. And so she uh, uh, gets up and there is all sorts of things to be fearful and worried about. Like that she tell Joseph. Yeah, right. Did she tell right. Joseph before she went she's pregnant? Not. She's going to disappear. We know now for three months. Like through the whole yeah. first trimester, she's gone. Okay, so it doesn't say that. Does she tell her parents? Like, do her parents know that she just gets up and leaves with haste? When you leave with haste, that means you're in a hurry. That means it's like the house is on fire. Okay, she leaves yeah. with haste. When you use the word haste, typically what you're thinking of here is someone who's moving fast, not, you know, that's more concerned about the time and trying to get through things than, you know, being right. methodical and intentional. So when you hear just those words, what is going on for this 12-year-old girl, right? Yeah, like, we don't right. even get to cover that on a Sunday because it's, it's just so much like, did she say anything to anybody? Did she leave a note? Like, do they know? Are they, is there going to be a search She party? locked the doors that she left? So she while she's gone, yeah. we do know that Joseph is is now speculating what to do, right? We, we find that. Right. Well, it's not like they have phone calls. There's, did she leave him a letter? Hey, I'm going to go be with Elizabeth. I'm pregnant. <laughs> it's Jesus' baby. <laughs> God's the father. I mean, like, is it that? Does she right. have this news? And then she hears the news. She's devastated. So she leaves because Joseph's upset. We don't know anything. Now, we see her response when she gets there, and it's beautiful in worship. But we don't right. know if that happens as a result of just that blessing that comes from from Elizabeth. We don't okay. know any of those things. There's just so much that could have taken place that Luke doesn't think is important for us to know. He just says, she leaves in a hurry. Okay. She yeah. leaves in a hurry. So we can wonder and be curious, but we don't know what the hurry and the worry, uh, hurry was about. We just know she left in a hurry. But then it tells us where she went to. She went with haste yeah. into the hill country to a town in Judah. That's really significant because she's in Galilee in a little town called Nazareth. There's Samaria below it. You know, can't really, that, that she would have not have gone through there. She would not have been treated well by the Samaritans. A Samaritan, she would not have treated them well. So we can, you know, that would have been 60 miles, 70 miles. If she would have gone the long route, we assume maybe she went the short route. But it's a, it's a, it's a real likelihood at this point that she would have told in her religiousness and religiosity not to go near those folks. She was, so she would have gone right, around. Right. There's still some danger in that. Plus, she probably doesn't have any relatives she could stay with in that town. She had to go around. She had to figure that out. Does she sleep on the side of the road? We don't know. We just know she's going yeah. a long way. And we know it's in the hill country. That means it's more in one of the, the smaller villages, which we could, you know, surmise from Zechariah being an old guy showing up, you know, to do his priestly duties twice a year. But it does give us some insight in kind of like the geographical location. Not necessarily is it north, south, east, or west of Judah. Could have been all or Jerusalem, but we do know that there had been some elevation change, right? Hill country. So right, right. she is going into a place that's less populated up into the hill. So we just at least know. We don't know everything else. But we know she goes in a hurry. And we know right. that where she's going 
it's going to take her a long time. And so she's going to put a lot of effort and a lot of energy, lay down a lot of comforts and put her, her security on the line. All the things we don't want to do, right? We love our comfort. We love our security. That's kind of our God, right? And right now, even with all the COVID stuff, those are the two things that are kind of right in front of us are, nope, we don't really yeah. want to give up our comfort. Like we're thinking about, do we have do we have to cut our job? Do we have to take a pay cut? Do, do we have to get another job? All that's about, we don't really want to change our lifestyle and all those things. So we're trying to imagine how to at least maintain where we are now. Nobody wants to go backwards. They want to go forward. So okay, can I at least pay for my bills, keep my house, keep it at the right temperature? All those things. So comfort is a huge deal. And what really is uncertain for us is our security. Okay, could we get this uh, virus? Is it real? Could it kill our parents? Yeah. Like all these different things. And so all those things that we're experiencing, Mary is literally surrendering in this moment and going to give up her comfort, give up her security, give up her safety. And she's going to be a little teenage girl. And she's going to trek through some hill country 100 miles away to go see her relatives and so it is pretty significant to go if she's willing to do all that we should probably really turn our eyes to what she's about to do yeah. and why she valued it so much so yeah. don't know why she's doing it yet when we get to the verse 39 but there are a lot of implications to what's less than a you know a dozen words or so yeah so. right and that's that's what i feel like what was interesting is what you pulled out is just the importance and the significance of that and it's crazy me to for me to think about okay so you're, we're kind of speculating it's probably about 90 to 100 miles. So, I mean, she's a young girl. So how many, maybe 25 miles? That seems like a lot. Like if you're walking without like a mule. Or yeah, I think or what the, the, the grade of the day would have been probably 12. That would be the yeah a fair assumption. Right. Maybe you cover 12 miles, maybe 15 right. at the most. You know? but, even, but even let's just say for whatever, like an overestimation, she can do 20 miles a day. If she's going 100 miles, that's a five-day journey. Yeah. Like that's what's amazing to me. And you may, I thought you did a great job of like talking through making that real for us over the weekend because you're going, think of a middle schooler. Think of a middle schooler who now you talk about the first trimester of pregnancy, how they're, you're just tired. Um, well, at least I don't know that from experience, as yeah. you said, but like women are tired from that first trimester. And then it doesn't say that she brought anybody with her. Like, and some of this is, is we're assuming we don't see, see it yeah. say it in the text. It seems like Luke would have probably written that in if he would, she went. Mary and her mother went. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's just crazy to think about, which leads to the question of why did she travel that far? Yeah. And I think you do, uh, again, if you are watching this as uh, before you've watched, you know, the weekend service, we would always encourage you watch that weekend service first, because there's a lot of information that we don't want to just kind of rehash. Some of it we do, but it's an attempt to go a little bit deeper. So always try and watch that service before you're watching kind of overtime. Overtime is kind of part two of the message, if you will. But but this is something that I do want to rehash. So why does she travel? And this is where you ended up parking on for a while, the why behind it. So do you want to share that why and then start to talk about what that means for us as believers and for what we feel like our mission and our vision is for the Christian Life Center? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really important. And what I, what I, what I want you to hear us talk about a lot. And, I, and here, hear me. I'll just be very candid here. Part of the suspicion around our church, and it's my fault, no one else's, is I say things like, well, I'm just ready, shoot, aim, right? Because hmm. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. And I don't know. I like creating like the little bit of angst for people. But where, where I've really failed us is this idea that we're really just shooting a bunch of targets and hoping to hit something. Like we're just throwing seed yeah. everywhere. Like, 
uh, if you're in our staff meetings or like behind the scenes in those things, I just want to let you know, like there is, you no, know, it, we process fast. We talk about a lot. We think a lot about a lot, but I mean, we're, th- there is a why behind every what and how, right? It all, in fact, I would argue everything here starts with a why, not a what yeah. or a how. Now we'll fill in those things and be really, really thankful that we have a great staff to do the what and how, because that's probably not my specialty, but I do spend a ton of time and we spend a ton of time here and go okay why do we do what we do right and the reason is for the gospel in whatever sense and so what you'll what you're going to hear us talk about a lot over the rest of my time here at clc and maybe even after that is the idea that theology has to drive methodology and because we're in the middle of covid it actually is helpful to think in that way because we can't just go well we've always done it that way so we're going to continue to do it that way because we can't continue to do some of those things that way. There are limitations right. to how we gather. So for 294 years, we gathered a certain way at a certain time in our church. Now, candidly, there are times that wasn't the case. I was literally just reading an article from 1918 about the Nebraska-Notre um, Dame football game that was postponed three different times in 1918 because of the, the epidemic, right? The Spanish flu, whatever, whatever that one was there. And so... There are times throughout our history, and as you talk to people who live some years, they're not near as overwhelmed as some of us who haven't. For me, I'm 39. Life's been really easy. A great recession, 9-11. Those are kind of the two things that, I mean, are pretty significant. But in terms of, like, not real na- nasty world wars with massive drafts where you're not sure if your kids right. shipped off to Vietnam. You know, people trying to right. dodge that stuff. Just all sorts of there, – there's – Unrest before, right? So you get get all those things. I don't want to be like, hey, this is so unique to our situation. And yet, all of a sudden, we really are going, well, how do we do this in light of what God's telling us to do? We can't gather there. So why would we still be a church and why would we exist? Well, let's go back to the scriptures and let theology drive our methodology. Let's let the study of God and his word drive what we do. And so as we think about that, this really helps us kind of shape it looking at verse 40. of Why in the world would she give up her comfort, give up her security in the middle of her exhaustion, give up weeks, create all sorts of anxiety for other people. Literally, right now as I do this, as we're talking, my my son is up in in the Jersey Shore with a neighbor. He's 12. I am so anxious right now. First of all, because I'm afraid he's going to come back and not use S's anymore and want to spell everything with a Z like they do (laughs) Jersey, right? I don't know what, I don't know. Like, I I hope he doesn't get some weird thick accent while he's he's up there (laughs) Start greasing his hair back. Just for the day, I think you'll be okay. I'm so not anxious, sure, but, but I think you'll be okay. But literally, I'm, I kid you not, he is 12, and this is the furthest in distance he's hmm. ever been from us. Maybe. I mean, I think hmm. we've, no, that might be, no, 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 I take it back. We left him when he was real little and we'd go on vacations. But like in a long time, like this idea of him being their neighbor, we love our neighbor, really, and I'm excited for him. But this idea that Mary would do all those things, create that kind of angst yeah. for her parents. Uh, create that kind of angst for her fiance, whatever those things are, you have to go. That right. is significant. Let's pause and be curious. What's the point of this? Yeah. That's how yeah. we teach around here. And so we get to it and it says, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So we now know that the whole reason she went was for some kind of deep connection with Elizabeth in light of what she knew about Elizabeth. 
okay, Elizabeth has the same experience. I need people who are walking in the same journey with me right now, right? This is where I quote Hebrews 3 a lot is encourage one another daily as long as it's today so that no one becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay, I need to tether myself to something. And I know I got to tether it to God, but it sure is nice to tether myself to God if I know someone else is also tethered there, right? So at least we can do that together. And so we see that Mary values godly community at all costs. So we see that. So we first see that she values community. So we go, in the middle of uncertainty, we have to have community. But not just community, godly community who's experienced God's transformation in their life. Mary is going to visit Elizabeth. She is pregnant, pregnant. Like, there's no hiding this now. Like, so she's really pregnant. And so Mary's going to go and find someone who is a little bit ahead of her in this experience. Mm. And I look at our church. I look at people that go, yeah, I think I'm done with church for a while or whatever it is. I look at all these things and I go, man, have we not connected people who are just a little bit further in that journey? Like just maybe yeah. a day before, like a week before in that journey. And that's not like we just find that godly person, put them with an ungodly person. In our journey right now, all of us are a little further ahead than others in different parts of it. You might be further along occupationally. I might be further along with teenagers, whatever those things are, right? Mm. And so what we see here is Mary, you know, goes a hundred miles because she values being with someone who has spent time with the Lord and can remind her of God's faithfulness. So really, really important. So then I go, oh my goodness, if we have failed our church in the middle of all this stuff, we have tried to pivot and help people gather online and gather those things, but we know that there's got to be a way that we help you get in Christian community where someone can remind you of God's faithfulness. Not just preach it, but experientially see it and live it and taste it and smell it. And so part of yeah, this is going, yeah. we have to convince people that, and we have to help them, right? Get into some yeah. kind of community where we're doing life together. If that's online, if that's in groups of 10 or 12, which is allowed, by the way, in the middle of all this stuff, yeah. then that has to be a huge emphasis of where we go this fall. So I just want you to hear me. This is this is at the highest level of priority for me personally. I'm going, how in the world do we leverage all of our resources, all of our staff to figure out a way to help people get out of rows because the rows are going to get behind keyboards and start getting into some community where they can be certain of God's faithfulness. So that would be the first part. You go and see your fine Christian community. And then what you see happen immediately following the Christian community is worship. These people who are worshiping and exciting and blessing and just this, like this life that's coming out of Elizabeth towards Mary. And you see, I mean, you see the evidence of it that the, the um you know the the what you see in proverbs is the power of life and death is in the tongue and so you see this life and so i don't know i don't know if mary was really overwhelmed before she got there she goes with haste i don't know if she was yeah. downtrodden we have no idea but we know when she gets there we do have evidence that her spirit was lifted in those moments yeah. so there's something about being in christian community being together right and so i think we've lost some of that i think we've lost some of that yeah. in terms of not being able to gather and so one of the beauties of worshiping is going, okay, when my faith is weak, I can see around and see like-minded people who right now, right, right now are worshiping Jesus. Like they're they're trusting Jesus. And there's something about that that strengthens my faith. So we're going, how do we do that? Well, it can't be that we gather because we got to sort through how we gather here on campus. So it must be that we have to help equip church people in our community to help build this kind of community with those that are around them, be the Elizabeths to the Marys and figure out a way to worship so that our, all of our spirits are lifted. It's that idea that, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Well, let's, let's mm-hmm. be a place that 
right yeah. or, you know raises the tide in the middle of this by speaking life and then what will inevitably happen is our entire community will will be lifted and find joy and hope and peace as we bring it to them with that good news so this idea of how beautiful are the feet to those who bring the good news there's a beauty that comes with this that we just have to do and you see this mutually beneficial moment where the beautiful feet of Jesus, literally Mary's bringing the gospel the good news yeah. to Elizabeth and she yeah. finds beauty in it. And at the same time, Elizabeth speaking so much. And the blessing over Mary. And Mary's finding it. So you see like this this yeah. mutually beneficial relationship that happens whenever ever we, ever we get back in proximity. So the big thing is we cannot let COVID remove proximity. Because there's something about yeah. proxy, about being close to each other, that is really, really valuable. So we just feel the burden to figure out how to do that and not make it all about yeah. a weekend service at this point. Yeah, I feel like to echo exactly what you're saying is that as I look back in community, so, so important, like I've been blessed to be a part of a great small group that I just love each and every single one of the families that are part of that. You have and a favorite? Look, right. Do you have so? Do you have like a couple that's your favorite and one that's your least favorite? You could share it. I, you know what? You know what? I, I can't share that here because some of them might be listening. So <laughs> you're all my favorite. All, every single one of you. Yeah, that's but, what um, my parents as I, as I look back to... Uh, to the time where the state kind of said, hey, you can't have groups more than 10. What that did is that forced us to be online. And um, that was still good. Like, I don't want to minimize how that yeah. community was impactful for me during that moment. But then we were so thankful when it lifted to, to 25 or more, because that's where right where our number was. I think we're at 25, maybe 26. I don't know. Maybe we kind of bend that rule a little bit. But um, it was so good to just be in community and to be in fellowship. And it almost seemed as if for me, because we, I think it was like two months or so that we were meeting just virtually. But for that first couple of weeks, it was just, it's kind of refreshing. Like when it's a really hot day, you jump in a cool pool and it's like, ah, just, it feels good. Like that's exactly how the small group felt. And, and I find myself even now when we go a couple of weeks where we can't necessarily see each other for vacations or just travel schedule or whatever is happening, not so much travel schedule, but like we just can't see each other for whatever reason. It's just, it feels so good to be in community. And then the other thing that I thought of too, is that, you know, I've had the privilege of being able to work alongside you. And I think what's interesting, I'll, I'll use the words that somebody else said is that um, we joke and you joke specifically about being a ready, shoot, aim type person. But I think the reality is, is that you just process pretty quickly. And I think that God has different, you know, the way that God has wired people is all different. Some people process quickly, which you would be one of them. And some people don't process as quickly. Um, and I remember a time in college where I was talking to a friend and he was a little bit more of a slow processor. I feel like I'm generally more of a, a faster processor. And he said this phrase that just kind of stood with me. He says, you know, hey, you kind of, you, and he was addressing a couple other people that were on our team at that point. He says, you kind of process at Google speed, where if you type in something on Google, it says like, your search resulted in 6 million hits in 0.325 seconds or something like that. And it was just a great illustration of going, hey, you know what? I process quickly. He does not. He needed a little bit more time. And I think that that's sometimes what I feel like some of our church might need is just a little bit more process time. But it's not that there hasn't been thoughtful planning put into it. I think that we're just on a different speed of processing and neither one of them is right neither one of them is wrong 
I think that's important to think about as we talk about yeah. the vision and what God has called us to do and being, being a community. So, yeah. And in fairness, um, with, I'm I, like, this is all I do. I like, I'm literally occupationally. Yeah, right. This is one of the things I got to remember right. is like, I've been thinking about this for 60 hours this week. Right. We stand up and talk about it. And for a moment, people start going, Oh, well, you know, yeah. so like, understand there's a, there's a big gap between the amount of effort processing thinking that I probably do our staff does in light of these things right. versus, you know, what, what the rest of our church community is doing. That's not to negate the feelings of the church community. You have every right to go, Hey, let me provide some feedback because here's what'd be helpful for my workplace, for my neighborhood, all those kind of things. So we welcome all that stuff. I just want to be yeah, clear that it's absolutely. not that we're just, we're throwing stuff at a wall and trying to figure out what sticks. We're going, okay, God, <laughs> right, in light of your right. scriptures, what is it you are calling us to do? Well, it certainly seems like the way by which certainty is gathered. So much that Luke wants to start with this, that it's it's yeah. gathered in community. Certainty is contained. It begins. The, the foundation for certainty. Hey, I write these things so that you may be certain in what you're taught. Now, let me give yeah. you the story of how these people gathered certainty experientially and then how they underwrote other people's faith and given them that certainty as a result of where they were. So it's like community has to be the thing. That's why I'm kind of excited about what the Lord's doing in COVID because it goes back to Acts chapter 2, this idea that they yeah. broke bread. The key word here is daily. Encourage one another daily yeah. is what it says in Hebrew. So there's something about this daily community to the point where Mary, literally, you'll see it, stays for three months. Three yeah. months. She's not calling home. There is no Zoom or FaceTime. She's staying for three months. She is a teenager who is pregnant. Lots of people are confused. Maybe she writes a letter. I don't know how quickly they get it back. Whatever that is, community is so valued to her daily that she decides to lean in and sleep in a guest room or on the floor or in a couch or yeah. Yeah. in a trough. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I feel like uh, I, I don't know if, if this is, I don't, I'm not sure if this is where you want to park on or not because again, kind of if you're listening, I think you can hear a lot of what we talked about over the weekend by part one, by listening to the message. Um, but I feel like we spent a lot of time talking about why why we are where we are, and then specifically kind of talking about what our strategy, as in building bridges, building foundations, and building um, excitement. And, and I might have gotten those three out of order. I always tend to put you know, building bridges first, because that's my focus. But um, like, I don't know how much time you want to spend yeah. talking about those. But I guess the question in that, for somebody that maybe didn't quite catch all of that, or maybe they were a little bit confused hearing it, has our strategy changed? And what does that strategy look like, as we are living into this? Uh, again, I'm not sure what to call this post COVID world, we're still in the middle of COVID, COVID so post COVID doesn't feel right. But but now living in light of what COVID has brought about. Yeah. So you got before Christ and then in the year of our Lord. So in the year of COVID, yeah. I guess is where we the are. Year of COVID. Yeah, sure. Before COVID in the year of COVID, AC or whatever it is. I know. Domino, you know whatever. Um, so anyways, <laughs> you think through all those things, there is a, a lot kind of to think about. And so we're, yeah. we're pretty unapologetic. Yeah. Unapologetic about our, thoughts on what the church is called to do. Jesus clearly defines his mission when he says the Son of Man, telling Zacchaeus this, right? Came to seek and save that which was lost. That's not an offensive term. Remember, Jesus is just being specific when he says, here's how you get to the Father. All lost means is you have the wrong map. So yeah. what that, so or you don't know your place on the map. So part of our job is to go, how do we help you see the map? God's word. And how do we help you find your place in it? And then 
how do you find how do you help find that your trajectory right it's uh, your direction as andy stanley says not your intention that determines your destination so how do we help some people right, right. on the right direction and then walk with them in that and so the way that by which we communicate that is we say and this is you'll, we'll get there eventually john the baptist is kind of the front runner quoting someone 700 years earlier that said prepare the way of the lord make straight paths for him this is the this is the call to the first century uh what's going to become the church what's going to become the first like that the first followers, this is the early adopters. He's saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths through them, remove every mountaintop, fill in every valley, so that make every crooked path straight. This is Luke chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And it says, so that all mankind, all flesh, all humans can either see or know, depending on how that word's translated, God's salvation. So we go, we can't save people. We can't fix people. I know that because I've spent... I spent a good decade trying to save myself and fix myself. It hasn't worked. So if I can't do it to myself and I'm bought into all this, then um, how would I do it with someone else? So right, I can't right. save myself. I can't fix myself. But Jesus can. And so when I look at Luke 3, 4 through 6, what I understand there, and literally this is this is the message I preached on when y'all judge me, voted on me, that kind of stuff three years ago. This is the story of that, right? This idea that we cannot fix or save people, but we do have a role to play in the kingdom. If Jesus came to seek and save right. that which is lost. The way by which we do that is we prepare the way so that people can see Jesus so they can understand salvation. And so when we talk about that, what we talk about is just removing obstacles, right? So what are the right. obstacles right. in the way of people actually seeing and knowing Jesus and being in Jesus's community, right? Being one of his children, invited into the family. And so the way that we kind of, the, the language we use here is we want to make it simple, by the way, simple and easy are two different terms. Making something simple is actually pretty complicated, and it's very rarely easy, if ever. Ask all the engineers and all their processing. To make something simple is very complicated. So we understand that. But to make it simple for people, that's all people around here, to uh, to connect to Jesus. Like, how do we help them see, know, connect to Jesus, to so move the obstacles, and to one another. And so um, that's kind of vision, right? Uh, Thomas Jefferson says, in matters of style or method flow like a river and matters of message stand like a rock so what that means is we firmly say we want to make it simple for people to connect to jesus because we think if people get understand who jesus is see jesus their life will be transformed and there's a lot of evidence and fruit for that right and so that's that is it matters of method flow like a river and matters of message stand like a rock that is what we're standing on we want to make it simple for people to connect to jesus and one another yeah. you know matters of method we're going you know that we go, we flow like a river. That's going to change. In fact, it has changed a little bit because what we've spent a lot of time and energy on is focusing on the 60 acres, beautiful facility and making this kind of the hub for where people come. Well, the reality is even of our church people that we've surveyed, we got a good sample size, 179 different surveys. So those are parents, representative of families. That's that's a pretty significant amount, not, you know, a fourth of it, but that's a good sample size, right? Uh, you know, in terms of data, we, we gather that and go, yep, we're going to get some good understanding there. Of those, 48% of our church, hear me, 48% of Christ followers, members of our church, will not come in to our sanctuary to worship right now. That's our church. That's our church family. Those are people who love Jesus, and you can go, well, they need to understand more about science. No, no, let's leave all that stuff alone. Whatever your opinion are, that's not the important part of you. What we understand is if that is reflective of our church family, then we know it's also probably indicative of our, uh, you know, the, right. the greater community. Now, probably even right, a right. higher sense in our community, because these folks are going, why in the world would I care about coming into a place with germs to sing to this imaginary God? So these are people who right. who firmly believe Jesus is Lord, right? And so there's already this hesitancy. So we go, well, if our strategy has been, how do we help 
you guys build and invest in people's lives and invite them into the church family. That's what we call build excitement. Invite them here on the weekend where they, we open up the scriptures and give people a glimpse of the way that things should or could be, right? This is what your life could look like if you would follow these guidelines. This is what your family could look like if you could surrender yourself to the Lord. This is what your anxiety levels would be like if you could trust that Jesus is Lord and that he will be with you for all eternity, right? Hopefully what happens is we get pretty excited about that. As a result of getting excited, that's kind of one of the pieces of our strategy. We certainly believe that people will go, I want more of that. What do I need to do? I want to sign up. They self-identify. Hey, I am here. I've been coming for a month. I've been coming for six months. I think it's time that I take the next step. And that's where we talk about building foundations. So that's been how do we help people get to Cal on a Wednesday night where we serve buffet-style food. How, about, how do you like that during COVID days, right? And learn getting some classes while we do child care. And so that's been kind of the what we've said on Sundays is we want our next step to be just help them get into like Wednesday nights. Help them come back. Help them right, be known. Right. And while that helps and helps people get out of rows in the circles, again, both those parts of the strategy, getting people here on a Sunday and getting people here on a Wednesday have kind of been you know, minimized to a great extent because of COVID. And so, so we've yeah. focused really on the building. How do we get people here? Really on the building. How do we get people here on Wednesdays? And then, inevitably, what we certainly believe happens as we become more like Jesus, right? As Jesus transforms our heart, we can't help but see people the way Jesus does and serve people the way of Jesus. So the, the nice little, you know, uh, pithy statements, found people and inevitably go and find people, right? right. Uh, save people. Inevitably go and serve people. And so as a result of really grasping what Jesus did, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, all those things, inevitably what happens is we can't help starting to see our whole world, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, our classmates, as people that God made in his image and likeness and wants to serve. And so inevitably we want to build bridges to those people, right? We want to go and love those people. And that's outreach. That's how we go and serve Lincoln University, go and serve at Oxford, go and do these different things. And then as a result of serving people, we certainly think more people will become intrigued at the possibility of who Jesus is. And guess what happens? We invite them and they show up. And then they start learning about Jesus. They get excited. They self-identify. They start building foundations. They inevitably can't help but serve and go and invest in their community and invite new people. And this is this strategy that's cyclical, that just keeps moving and moving and moving. But at the hub of it, so much of our energy has been, how do we make this a place here, the campus, a place that people can... You know, we can build bridges. That's trails or treats. That's laser tag, daddy-daughter yeah, dance, right. movies. And now we're going, well, people aren't really gathering right now. Okay, how do we help people come here to build excitement and worship? Well, people aren't really sitting in rows for an hour and a half in our building. How do we help yeah. people come to Cal or gather into community? Well, people aren't really showing up on a Wednesday night to eat buffet-style food. Now, there will be some, but there will be a lot of people who do not feel safe in that. And as I shape all of that, we're going, well, that's just in our Christian community. No, the greater yeah. extent to the, our neighbors, they are so um, uncomfortable with those things and so confused about what to do next. The idea of showing up in a building just doesn't seem real likely. And so we're going, if that's the case, we can't put all of our energy into how do we leverage our campus for the hub of the village. We need to leverage where people are already and where they're going to stay. And guess where that is? Yeah. It's their homes. It's just their homes. Yeah. That's just their neighborhoods. Like they're literally, most people are working from their homes. They're eating at their homes. They're hanging out at their homes. So if that's where all of our energy and time is going, then how in the world do we help the church be at people's homes? And so same right. same strategy. We want to build excitement. But we believe the best place to build excitement right now is helping equip our church family to build excitement in their own homes, to invite people into yeah. worship in their own homes, to invite people into their backyard and consider the eyes of, ideas of Jesus. So how do we help equip them with good worship that they can leverage online? How do we help them with teaching right. that's 
makes sense to their neighbors, right? Online. So we're going, how do we help build excitement at homes? That same thing we do on the weekends, but how do we package it in a way that we can help equip people? Now, we'll still be here on the weekends. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. help equip people who don't feel safe for that or have neighbors who don't feel safe to build that excitement. And inevitably, what we hope happens is people get excited about the gospel and go, I want more community. So what we hope happens instead of saying, come to Cal, we go, nope. The same thing that Mary sought out in Elizabeth. Let's help them get community. The best place to find community? Probably in the homes, probably in the neighborhoods, yeah. probably in the workplaces, the places that our people already are. So we want, let's put our energy and time into helping still continue to build foundations, but in the homes. And then you go, well, inevitably as people start loving Jesus and becoming more like Jesus, they can't help but serve other people, right? Well, let's actually yeah. equip our church to serve people where they are, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces. And so that's why we we really do think that a lot of building bridges is going to be us packaging all of our resources, movie screens, laser right. tag, all the kind of things, and bringing it to people's neighborhoods to let people, right. you know, create events that they can love their people well there. The reality is, and I shared this this weekend, but I think it's worth sharing again, there are very few things to look forward to right now. Like right. everything is getting canceled. Nobody's right. looking forward to football season right now because they don't know if there'll be a football yeah. season. No kids right. looking forward to, you know, flag football because – it's canceled, right? And if it's not canceled, it probably will be canceled. Nobody's looking forward to the school starting back because nobody knows what school's going to look like. Even those that are going, we'll have a hybrid model. Most of us inside are going, well, we're really suspicious of that, right? There's nothing yeah, right. on our calendar that anybody's a surf on and go, oh, I can't wait for that date. So right, right. let's be a place that creates events that people can circle and go, I can't wait for that date again, which we believe yeah. most of that's going to be helping our church family love their neighbors well. So the, the right. reality is where most of this stuff starts is probably not, hey, come to a church service in my home. Most of right. it starts with, let me love you where you are. Let me uncover value in your life. Come watch a movie at my house. Come watch a movie yeah. in the cul-de-sac. Come listen to this music with me. Come have a coffee night. We're going to bring the coffee shop to our driveway. You can come and have a latte for the first time and sit and hang out, socially distance outside. Like, uh, come have, bring your kids. They can play a, you know, have a video game tournament, right? Or, hey, come and hang out. And th- we can do laser tag as adults or Nerf guns or whatever these things are. And imagine how we actually start building community to love our neighbors where they are so that we can invest in them and then invite them to the possibility of this whole story yeah. of Jesus. But that actually has to do with a staff saying we're going to, it actually tells us Ephesians 4, God gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That's kind of the offices of the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So one of the things that we're having to refocus on, and I actually highlight, I wouldn't say we wouldn't focus here, yeah. to highlight is we're, we we got to figure out how to equip our church family to go do yeah. this kind of work that brings joy and hope and peace the way that Mary found it in Elizabeth and Elizabeth found it in Mary. Let's help our church do that um, in, yeah. in a place that people feel safe. So long, long answer to go. <laughs> That's where, so same strategy, just yeah. same even tools and mechanisms. The only difference is you can do it, not you, Ben, but everybody listening, you can do it. We can help, right? This is more, hey, we're going to call you yeah, to right. be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we will find all the resources and all the courage we can possibly give you to help you do that successfully. So, Yeah, I feel like I'm super excited about the idea of, of each and every single member of the Christian Life Center kind of being the pastor, feeling yeah. maybe that's a scary word. Maybe I shouldn't even use being the pastor, but you get to be the person that loves on your community. And there's ways that we as the church can help that happen. Yeah. So I'm super excited. You kind of talked about it as a party in a box or outreach in a box yeah. and like kind of here's laser tag or here's, um, you know, the video and sound equipment to do like a cul-de-sac movie where you can be socially distant. So I'm super excited for that. And one of the things that you've said 
um, quite a bit since you've got here is, you know, people tend to return to the last place that they feel loved. And what we want is that it's not just a physical location, like, oh, they go to the church. What we really want is for you as the people listening, the people that come and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we want you to be the place where people feel loved and they return back to you. And then that gives the opportunity to share the gospel. So uh, yeah. again, kind of the idea is that we are the, we are the church and kind of back to an Acts yeah. 2 where we get the opportunity to do that daily, not just on a weekend. We don't look towards pastors or yeah. staff members to do it, but we get to take ownership of that. And that excites me. So um, we get to go scatter, not just gather, which I think we've gotten, we've done really well at gathering, but now it just seems like because of this, the year of COVID, we get the opportunity yeah. to scatter a little bit better. So yeah. So what you'll hear us talk about a lot this year. In fact, if you, uh, Set up for the quarterly newsletter. There's like literally 3,000 words covering some of the stuff. But really what we're kind of pointing towards is Jesus tells us to love our neighbor, not our religion, not our sports team, yeah. not our job, not our worldview. Love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. So the solution to this is loving people well. Like even as we go down, which we're not going to cover today, kind of this idea of not only does theology drive methodology, it also drives ideology. So how we value humans. Right. And how we value life from conception based on what we see in the next verse where John is in utero and he is leading in worship and leaping. We go, as a result of that, we can understand that God has determined that life begins at conception. Like all the different Greek words. We can cover that, you know, listen to it, all those kind of things. But this isn't going, aha, here's my gotcha moment. See, look, here it is. Yeah. We have to not go to the gotcha moment. We have to go 17 steps earlier and go, mm. well, how do we teach men to be men? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that they can love women well and not treat them as objects and stay yeah. the course with them how do we teach dads to be dads right so how and then how do we become such good friends and caretakers of our neighbors and their children that when they're in this kind of struggle they don't go to a, an abortion clinic to find the solution right they go and find someone who's walked this journey already and they, they have yeah. community. So all this has to do with not going, aha, here's the gotcha moment. Our theology drives our ideology, but our theology also drives our methodology. And the way by which we do these things is we have to love our neighbors. Because, you're right, people always are going to return to the last place they felt loved. We've said, let's be the right. church that does that. But let's actually be individuals in the church to do that. And I promise right. you, if you love right. your neighbor, you'll get opportunities to speak into their life because they'll give us permission to. So that we can view these scriptures and go, okay, here's our ideology. But that not so we have some nice little gotcha moments, right? Andy Stanley says, yeah, you right. have to decide whether or not you want to make a point or make a difference. We want mm -hmm. to make a difference. And the problem is making a difference is a lot more energy a lot more time and a lot longer process than it is to make a point. Just be sarcastic, yeah, say a really right. cute statement, be a little ironic. You can make a point, but it's not changing anything. So we have to go back and yeah. go, okay, as a result of what we see here, we got to value all people at all times. So let's go be good neighbors. And so yeah. that's where same strategy. We're just going, let's actually, let's push it down a couple layers lower. Instead of making it about hmm. being good neighbors in our church building, let's help every man, woman, and child in our congregation be good neighbors to their neighbors, yeah. their classmates, their workers. By the way, Luke chapter, or Luke uh, 11, right? Uh, wherever we see the story of the Good Samaritan, it actually defines a neighbor as someone who yeah. is pr uh, in proxy, in proximity, close by to someone in need, right? Mary goes in mm -hmm. as close by to Elizabeth. So it's just someone you come in contact with, someone that you cross paths with who's close by, who's in need. And here's the reality. Everybody's in need. So every person we encounter, walk by, drive by when we're pulling into our neighborhood when we get out of our garage and we go check our mail 
all those people you see, when you have those customers come to you and you're behind the counter or you're making a video call or yeah. a conference call, all those people are people who are currently in need that we come in contact yeah. with. So those are the people that God's called us to love and be neighbors to. That's good. That's good. I feel like that's uh, pretty much most of the yeah. questions that I had. Yeah. I think as we look at this, we see Elizabeth kind of, um, as she hears the greeting, the baby, yeah. you know, John the Baptist sleeps while in a room and she's filled with the Holy baby's Spirit. leading us in worship. Yep. Yeah. And she worships. And it's just kind of what you said about Mary and Elizabeth is that they heard, they believed, they received the blessing, and then they responded with worship. And I yep. think that that's, that's a beautiful illustration for us or model, if you will, for how we should receive. So um, I guess as we wrap up, was there anything else that maybe didn't make it to the cutting room floor? Anything that you wanted to share or any final thoughts? Yeah, so one of the problems this week was trying to, I mean, it was an hour online. It was 45, 50 minutes in person. It was a lot. And so a lot of that was verse 40 and 41. So I'm going, oh, and we'll get to cover some this yeah. upcoming week. But, you know, one thing that I don't, I don't I haven't heard, uh, that, I don't know, the criticism, but I think it'd be fair if it was offered towards me of going, man, all he does is talk about Jesus and doesn't actually give us some practical steps of what to do, right? And that is so true. So I'm going, I just want you to, like, it's Jesus. It's all Jesus. If Jesus yeah. can transform our life. It's Jesus who does the work. But every now and then, you'll see kind of some progression or prescriptive stuff that I, I kind of wish, okay, this would be a really good time to pause for a second and give you four steps, right? We did it a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago, but here they really are. It's going, got to hear the word of God. Well, I don't know how to hear the word of God. Yeah. Here it is, right? There's 1,151 <laughs> verses of the word of God just in the gospel of Luke. And if you really want to hear Jesus speak, there's 568 of those. Like there are plenty of places to hear the word of God. Go listen to the sermons, L hear the word of God. And so you hear the word of God and then you are faced at a crossroads of what do you do with it? Now, here's what I tell you to do. Right. Believe it. Believe it. Unashamedly believe it. Not because you're naive, not because you're ignorant, because the God of the universe took 1,600 years, 66 books, multiple authors to write a story of his word to you, and it's still protected. It's still here. You understand, 2,000 years later, we're still reading this document, right? And some of this goes back even further. Some of it goes back another, like, 3,500 years from here. And here it is, right in front of us. And so I'd go, Look, there is enough evidence to believe that there's a God who exists. And if there's enough evidence to believe that there's a God who exists, there's enough evidence to believe that that God still speaks and is still active. Mm. And if that's the case, then when we hear his words, right? And through his scripture, that's what you see in prophecy, backed up biblically through his scripture, the response is not to be suspicious or put God like in this judgment seat of going, oh, I'm not so sure. It's like, these are God's words. And so if we could mm. hear them, and then believe them. Next step, God, I just believe this. I believe this. I'm going to live like this is true, even if it's hard for me to believe it, because I believe it's true, even though I haven't experienced it. And here's where I think most of us have gotten, we've missed it. We've gone, we'll believe once we experience it. Well, here, literally, Mary has this little bitty baby. She can't feel a kick, right? She has no yeah. idea. She's moving. She believes it. And in that moment, you hear this blessing that's coming towards her, that's speaking of her. So Mary, uh, Elizabeth is making this proclamation that there is a blessing to believe. And so I just would go, Hear the word of God, believe it, and live like you believe it. Travel the 90 miles, right? Do the hard work, yeah. walk across the street, whatever that is. Believe it. Believe this is how God does it. And then open your eyes and look for the blessing. And then when you see mm -hmm. it, and you will, I promise you with everything I am, you will see it. Ask God to show it to you. Yeah. Believe it. When you see it, 
your only response to that is just to worship. How do you worship? Mary tells us, our soul magnifies God. That means in all you do, the way you sing, the way you live, the way you write checks, they all are to point towards and help people see God's you know, greatness. Magnifying does not mean you make something bigger literally. It just means you can yeah. make it bigger for you to see, right? The text is still the yeah. same size. The magnifying glass just makes it easier to see and understand. That's our goal, to point people to Jesus where they can see and know and believe and then respond and worship. That's so that that's, that's the prescription. Hear it from God, believe it, receive the blessing of it, find the blessing in it, and then respond and worship. So that's, that's good. Well, hope everybody is encouraged um, by that. And hopefully it helps you dive a little bit deeper in your faith. I do want to say thank you again for joining us. If you ever have any questions about the message or about anything that you would like to kind of ask, we would encourage you to email us at info. At, or, uh, well, you could do that. That's a church general one, info at clcfamily.church. But overtime at clcfamily.church. Um, and we would love to be able to include those questions as part of our, our dialogue, our conversation. Um, that's about all the time that we have for, for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week and yeah, we'll see you. See you later.